The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, that's right. Regina Doherty is with me, the Finnegate Senator, as is Mick Barry, the Socialist TD for Cork North Central. And the topic this week we are discussing is whether war can ever be justified. Regina, do you think it can be? Um, I don't. So I think the first thing I'll say is, is that we live, we're, we're, we're lucky in the sense that we live in the 21st century. We have institutions um, arising from horrific wars that we've learned from, hopefully, in the past. Institutions like the UN, institutions like the EU, um, with the stated aims of maintaining peace and security of every nation you know, that we impact uh, and collectively minding those that are maybe not capable or, or you know, able to look after themselves at periods of time. And we've established over many years the rules of war, which I think I said here last week, I find my brain sometimes doesn't know how to accept that. But given that everything that we've learned over the last couple of weeks, I understand now why there have to be rules of engagement and there are institutions that manage and monitor those to make sure that if people do infringe upon them, as we are seeing, I believe, at the moment, um, there are mechanisms to, to, you know, to, to toll people back. But the simple and the most effective thing that we have um, in making sure that we either, you know, bring down disputes um, or wars uh, or make sure that they don't happen in the first place is diplomacy. And I think that's something and always should be central to every country's foreign policy. So, no. And I say that in the context of people defending themselves, countries defending themselves from either other countries, as we can mm-hmm. see with Ukraine and Russia at the moment, excuse me, or um, Israel defending itself from a terrorist organisation, albeit that we can have the conversation whereby I think a lot of the actions that people have seen in the last couple of weeks goes far beyond what people would consider defending. Um, People have a right, countries and states and actors have a right to defend themselves. The aggressive nature of what we have seen over the years, the genocides that we've witnessed, even in modern times, none of it's justifiable. And I don't, like even bring it locally to, to what certain Republicans in this country would call, you know, the war of the 25 years of the Troubles. And they, they could repeatedly say that there were no alternatives. There's absolutely no justification for more when all of the diplomatic channels that we've seen that do work, and the Good Friday Agreement obviously is one of those, and the culmination of those diplomacy um, channels being used, there's no real justification for, you know, adversarial type um, aggression. Okay killing innocent people getting caught up so, in So, uh, no is the short answer. Inevitable and excusable if it's uh, uh, defending yourself. If you're not the aggressor, you're the defender. So that defending is something that's different. And so I would be completely supportive of what Ukraine are doing, despite the fact that there are thousands of Russians dying. The R- Russia is the aggressor. Okay. Ukrainians are defending themselves. So Mick, do you think war can be justified? So I, I've agreed to uh, take the yes side of this debate. Uh, and to say that there is such a thing uh, as a just war. Um, But I think the vast majority of the wars that we see uh, in the world today and in recent times, uh, and I think the war that we see on our TV screens, uh, every night now the Israeli state's assault on Gaza uh, are unjust wars. Uh, And whether a war is uh, just or unjust, it is horror, irrespective um, I mean, I heard uh, a new acronym during the week. Uh, WCSNF is being used by medics uh, in medical centres in Palestine. Wounded child, uh, uh, no surviving family. Right? Um, I heard actually that there's now uh, more than 5,000 children in Palestine 
uh, who are so badly injured that they will require surgery uh, for the rest of their lives uh, at various points. Um, this is an unjust war because it's a collective punishment of the Palestinian people and it's serving to reinforce uh, a bloody and a racist occupation. And I think the vast majority of wars are completely unjust. Uh, they further the exploitation of one group by another or one yeah. nation by another. But if, if you're asking me... Yeah, what, it, what, the ones that are the exceptions to that, what do they have in common? What makes them just? Well, you know, I, I celebrate... And maybe give me an example, actually, of a couple for sure. people's minds. Yeah, okay. So when I was a kid, I, I, I watched a, a war on my TV screen uh, every night. It was the, the Vietnam War. Uh, and I felt from a young age that the war that was being waged by the people of Vietnam... Uh, for their national freedom, for their social liberation, uh, was justified. Um, I read in history about the election of uh, government in Spain in the 1930s, which was overthrown by the military and an attempt to oppose a fascist dictatorship. Um, Franco, supported by Hitler and Mussolini, were the Spanish people right to resist arms in hand against uh, that Yes, they were. So there is such a thing as an unjust war, as, as, as a just war, but the vast majority of the war, wars we see in the world today, the war being raised by, waged by the Israeli state, they are completely unjust and war is, mm. is absolute horror, clearly. So by the same token, and you see, this is where I have a problem with some of the narrative over the last number of weeks, and I'm not making an excuse mm. for anybody because I don't think anything is justified when you do have the diplomatic channels, which are the ones we always end up using to stop the wars, you know, ultimately. And that's, we know exactly, you know, it's people talking to Israel, uh, it's people talking to Hamas over the coming days and weeks that's going to bring this horrific scenes that we're seeing daily to, to an end. Um, it's not Hamas bombing Israel or Hezbollah bombing from the Lebanon into Israel. It's certainly not Israel doing what they're doing. Um, I, I can't... I can't actually accept that there's a justification, no matter what strife people feel they're in. And the examples that you're giving, Mick, um, all ultimately were ended by the use of talking and words. They were never, none of them were ever ended by killing. You know, even if you think there's a justifiable level of killing, insofar as that if we talk about the Ukraine and Russian war, which is probably a little less emotive, we have thousands of Russians being killed because they're in Ukrainian territory, haven't taken it over in the last 18 months, and the Ukrainians are defending themselves. But ultimately, at the end of the day, somebody's son is still being killed. And for what? Whereas we could have had the two gentlemen sit down at the table 18 months ago. Now, I know, obviously, Zelensky doesn't want to, but at some point in the future, that war is going to be ended by people sitting around the table. It may not be the two heads of the states, it may be other actors, but it's going to be ended by talking. It's not going to be ended by the thousands of Russians or the thousands of Ukrainians or the billions of euros that's going to be needed to rebuild Ukraine. And all of the other examples you've given are the same. Like I don't, I can't for an ounce, and I've I've got myself into trouble over the fifteen years I'm in politics fighting with Republicans and particularly Sinn Fein supporters or Sinn Fein representatives. There is no justification in my mind at all for what happened uh, and the thousands of people that the IRA killed. There's no justification for the thousands of people that you know the Unionists terrorists killed or that the uh, British Army invoked pain on. There's no justification for any of it when we do have mm. the diplomatic channels that we talk but, about. But and, in the examples Mick gives of kind of I guess you might describe them as kind of uprisings against oppression. Is there... 
So justification again, for violent uprising against oppression. There's always a defence when you're defending yourself, and so maybe we can go back and we might have to go back a hundred years to find common ground. Insofar as that, where the Irish justified in defending and fighting for their freedom, you know, the same way as maybe Mick talks about um, the, the Spanish being justified with regard to Franco. But my point is, I, I, I don't disagree with our fight for independence, nor the French or the, the Spanish. Mm. My point is, is that all of these things were resolved by using words and not by using bombs or guns. And that's why we have an international norm that the first thing is, is that the right to defend for other countries to help countries have, you know, the right and and uphold their right to defence. But ultimately, at the end of the day, all wars are finished and resolved by people using words and resolving... Not the Second World War, of course. Okay, right. Well, it's just, but I know people kind of roll your well, you, no, well, everything gets compared to the Nazis. Not, but, but you know, again, but it, it's, I mean, it's a worthy comparison. That wasn't ended by words. That was ended by kind of foreign soldiers marching into Berlin. Okay, but what we've learned you since know, then, like, you know, genocide the creation of the European Union, the creation of the UN principles. About it. Okay, but the principles of, of what we've learned from then is not something that you would ever recreate. It's not something that we would teach in school. Well, that was a good war. That's how we should do it. It's not how we should do it. How you actually stop and resolve issues is by diplomacy and by talking. And that doesn't change regardless of what the issue is, I believe. And I know maybe others might disagree with me, but... Mick, for every kind of Vietnam and Spanish Republicans and Hasta de Victoria Siempre and everything else, there's the Mahatma Gandhi, is there not? Yeah, there is. Um, uh, Gandhi was obviously involved in uh, the Indian uh, campaign for independence. Um the way that history is is told, it's like, um, you know, the campaign of peaceful resistance um, yeah, defeated the British Empire. Uh, it certainly was uh, part of the equation there. Uh, but, you know, there was uh, disobedience on a massive scale, huge strikes, uh, and uh, um, conflict was part of the equation there uh, as well. Um, just to say on on the thing about you know it, it, it's all about words, right? Um, well, you know Joe Biden flew into Tel Aviv. Uh, Emmanuel Macron flew into Tel Aviv. Um, they had words with Netanyahu, and they said you've got a right to defend yourself, but don't go too far. Was basically the message. But the the massive hypocrisy of this is that behind the scenes. The Israeli military machine is being uh, funded to a huge degree by Western nations, particularly the United States. And big arms corporations are making huge profits uh, by selling weapons of war, war, which are being used, the bombs that are being used to shed the Palestinian blood and to kill and injure those kids uh, at the moment. So there's an example of words being used kind of to cover up the reality of the dealing that's going on behind uh, uh, the scenes. Uh, and that needs to be exposed as part of this discussion the, as well. There's no doubt that, and, and you're right, that we wouldn't have all of these enormous profit-making companies, you know, if there wasn't huge money in war. There's no doubt there's huge money in war. But yeah, there's huge money in lots of things that doesn't make them right. I think we need to step back and, and to be fair, and I have no grow or particular allegiance to any world leader, but it's because of Joe Biden and his diplomacy in the last couple of days that we see a change in the language from Netanyahu this morning. Now, it's only a small change, but it's far greater an influence, 
you know, than us shouting at the sidelines to tell Israel that they're wrong. We need to bring Israel to the table to show them that what they've done is larger and greater than self-defence and that there really is no justification for the collective hurt that they've caused people. But by the same token, there's no justification by the collective hurt that Hamas you know, and certain Palestinians people have caused the Israelis over mm. the last 75 years. But none of this is going to be solved by rocket launches and bombs and guns or doctors. None of it's going to be solved by anybody except the diplomatic the diplomatic channels that we have and the right of protection pillars that we use in these situations to get people around the table to say the only way to end this particular war is the same that we've used in others is talking. I started with Regina to make a final word. Yeah, uh, I I don't think that you should hold up uh, Netanyahu's words this morning uh, as some kind of positive sign because let's look at what he said. He said that he wouldn't be against a few brief little pauses uh, in order to allow, you know, some medicines or some uh, water to go through. I mean, what does a humanitarian pause mean? It means you, you stop the um, murder and you stop the bombing for a day or two days or three days. Uh, it's a good PR stunt. You're allowing uh, stuff in and then you resume your campaign of what is rapidly looking like a, a genocide, certainly ethnic cleansing in Palestine uh, uh, at the moment. What we need is not a so-called humanitarian pause. It's a ceasefire. And in order to do that, massive pressure needs to be put yeah, but that's on Israel. Diplomacy uh, pr- channels that pressure that the about. government here are not doing enough on. Expel the Israeli ambassador. Mick Barry, Socialist TD, Regina Doherty, Finnegan, Senator. Listen, thank you both very much uh, for joining me. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.